Welcome to Long Story Short, a podcast where we review two-sided topics on the minds of college students and condense them into informative, civil, 30-minute conversations in order to create wider campus discussions. Coming off of their first Pac-12 championship and a trip to the first Rose Bowl in program history, the University of Utah football team enters the 2022 season favored to win the Pac-12 once again. Returning key contributors such as quarterback Cam Rising, running back Tavion Thomas, and safety Cole Bishop, as well as a young offensive line and great tight ends, which are entering the season primed for another breakout year. Uncertainty surrounds the Pac-12 conference following the announcement of the departure of USC and UCLA to the Big Ten Conference. Joining us today, we have Elias Wright, Vice President of Marketing and Football on the Must Board to discuss Utah football in this upcoming season. So Elias, we wanted to ask you, I mean, in past years, we've had a lot of watch parties up here for Utah football games. And this this game against Florida on September 3rd is going to be a huge one, probably the biggest opener in program history. Is there going to be a watch party up here on campus held by the Must? Yeah, we are. So it's actually being held um, in conjunction with like the unions putting it on, UPC will help run it. Greek Life and like all of Greek Row is helping put on the event and the Mus is helping sponsor it as well. So there's going to be a big watch party. The game kickoff is at five on Saturday. It's going to be awesome. Come here. We're going to have food trucks. There's going to be games. It's going to be a really great vibe. So get here early and enjoy. Okay. So like what time would you recommend having people show up to get ready for this game? I mean, get here at least an hour early. It's going to be fun. There's going to be lots of food, lots of stuff to do, lots of people. And it's just going to be an awesome atmosphere. Awesome, man. We're looking forward to it. We really enjoyed that BYU watch party last year. We enjoyed the watch party aspect part <laughs> yeah. of it, but we hated the results of the game. Let's just say that. So, um, Elias, I understand that you grew up here in Utah, kind of in the Salt Lake area. I mean, you said you're from Layton, so not too far away. Explain to me a little bit, like, how did you become a fan of the University of Utah when you were younger? I mean, I've been a fan since I can remember. One of my earliest videos of me talking is me singing the Utah fight songs like a three-year-old. Utah football is just in the veins of my family. I think my great great grandpa went to the U and everybody down since then. So it's just like a family thing. We go to the U and we love Utah football. That's awesome, man. So I guess going off of that, what's what are some of your favorite memories that you've had with Utah football and I guess with your family? Because your family's been a huge part of your fandom. Oh, for sure. Um, I would say that probably the earliest memory of when I became a Utah football fan was during the 2008 undefeated season. Um, and then it was coming down to the wire. It's a tie game, and then there at the end, King Louis Sakota kicked a field goal to seal the game right in front of me. And I just remember like losing my mind. It was nearing the end of the season; we were still undefeated. And at that moment, it just like clicked from being something that I did with my family to just being like a genuine Utah fan of just like becoming obsessed with it. I see, man, dude. Honestly, that's one of my most iconic memories too. I I remember being at that game and just that that's a special game for me too. It, it was one that I got to enjoy with my dad. Let's let's talk a little bit about the MUS. So I don't know, man, re recruit us. Why why should we join the MUS? What are the perks of being a member of the MUS? So the MUS, the mighty Utah student section, is genuinely the greatest student section in the entire world. Last year, Taco Bell, ESPN, in conjunction, said University of Utah and the MUS is the greatest atmosphere, greatest tradition, and really just greatest environment to be in and enjoy sports. There's a huge sense of community when you're there. 
and just the energy you experience when you're there in Rice Eccles Stadium when something happens, it's yeah, it's electric. It's really unlike anything else I've experienced in college. Right on, man. So like what what sets you apart, I guess, from being a member of the must and just being like a student that just goes in and attends the games? Like what's the difference? Really, the only difference is just helping a lot with the infrastructure of making sure that things happen. So like on a typical game day, I'm at the stadium five hours before kickoff and we're there and we're hanging up flags in the stadium. We're hanging all the banners that say the must on them. We're going to the football training facility and we're setting up the tailgate there. That's like Red Robin comes and does. And so we're setting up the games, we're setting up the chairs, the tables, getting all the drinks ready and everything like that. Uh, we help plan events like this kickoff party that we're doing, all the tailgates, help design the shirts that we have for the Musk, help distribute them, whether it be Musk premium distribution that we're doing here on the 6th, or whether it be the basketball shirts, the soccer shirts that we got this year, and really just trying to like help form a, because the Musk really is the connection that the students have with athletics and just trying to help bridge that connection to the student body generally and the sports teams. Let's take right on. I guess uh, a question that I have kind of going off of that is like, what are some of the experiences that you've heard from some of the athletes about the must, like the impact of having the must at their games? And not just at football games, but at the men's basketball games, the women's basketball games, the women's soccer games. How, how special is it for those athletes? Oh, for sure. I mean, especially with gymnastics. When you go to gymnastics games, first of all, it's packed. I think it's the highest attended women's sport in and all of the NCAA is Utah Gymnastics. It's really fun to attend. And the team comes over and they cheer with us. They do their, their Red Rocks cheer with the student section. And they always flash to you when they're doing their beam uh, routines at the, at the MUS. And you just feel a really close connection to the athletes there uh, with gymnastics. Soccer, women's soccer is another great one where, I mean, they're like as involved as you possibly can be with the MUS. They like rope off a section for us. They like bring drums and coolers and like all this water for us. And they just really do a lot to help try and engage with the with the students generally. And just the experience that the athletes have shared, I don't know, when they get a perfect 10 in gymnastics and then just hearing the MUS lose their mind, it's just, I don't know. When what they've, they've expressed is it just adds a whole new element to the experience. I know it's a big thing with recruiting, like recruits will come but, and they'll be standing along the sidelines at football games and they'll look up and see the must just losing their minds after Britton Covey returns a punt or something like that. And I know for several people, it's been a deciding factor in, in coming and playing at the U is just that experience of having the must there. So what were some of the biggest things that the must did last season to be able to support our teams and the various, I guess, accomplishments that they were having? Some of the things that we did is we, I don't know, we make a lot of the banners that you see at games, a lot of the bed sheets that we do. We make all the, the posters and the signs to be able to support them. We reach out to the teams and see how we can best support them, see what's going on. For example, like you'll notice that Tavion Thomas, when he when he scores touchdowns now, he starts doing the, the choo-choo or whatever. That's because some of our board members like, I don't know, made a Thomas the Train joke to him. And now it's just like something that's like become a thing now. It's like, <laughs> it started to proliferate. It's, it's kind of funny like that. But just really trying to, just show the athletes that we care and we're all in because we know how much they they give and they participate for the programs. So now I understand it that must tickets have sold out for this season. Um, what are some of the other opportunities that students can have to be able to go to football games? And I guess talk to me a little bit about the must bus too, because as I understand it, that's something that you don't have to be a member of the must to be able to participate in. For sure. So every student at the university is a member of the must. Everybody, whether 
they attend football games, whether they don't, everybody's a member of the MUS because we all collectively are the mighty Utah student section. In terms of football games, we do sell like those season tickets for football because it's just such a high demand event and so many people want to come and support and attend. And so we are sold out of our 7,200 tickets for that. But just in coming days after we do distribution, week on a week by week basis, we do give a limited number of free student tickets. And so you can go on to utahtickets.com and just on a week by week, the week of the game, you can you can check to see if there's any available. For those bigger games like the USC game, there's gonna be a really small number and they're gonna go quick. But for some of the other weeks, yeah, if you get on early, you you should be able to to pick up a, a free student ticket to be able to attend the individual game. So there's that option. And then also with the must bus, that's an away game. Uh, I think we're going to UCLA this year. I think, yeah, so we're leaving just the, the Friday before that game. And yeah, we'd sell tickets for that. That will include the travel down, the uh, lodging there at the hotel that we're going to be staying at, and then a ticket at the game as well. And so that's something that whether or not you have your must premium ticket, you can participate in as well. That's awesome, man. It's, it's so cool to have so many opportunities for the students to be able to, I guess, support our fellow student athletes. I mean, because we go to class with these people, you know, like these are these are people that are just like us. But obviously, we love to cheer them on and everything. But let's um recruit me a little bit on the must bus. What what was the experience like last year? Like, why should people try to sign up for that as quick as possible? The must bus is awesome. It's like tailgating on steroids or something almost. It's like <laughs> it turns the traveling down to the event into just being an extension of the event. It makes the football game instead of being just four hours of fun, being like two full days, and you get ex uh, experience the the pregame and the postgame with a bunch of other students that are just as excited as you are, and it's a really cool group to hang out with and be with. It's awesome, man. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it'll be great. Another thing I'm looking forward to, and I know all of us in this room are looking forward to this, is this 2022 football season. There's a lot of expectations on the line for the Utes right now. I think this is the highest they've ever been expected to to succeed in the existence of the program. You know, even rolling off of those fiet that Fiesta Bowl win and the Sugar Bowl win, people thought that they would be able to find the same success. They just probably thought they caught lightning in a bottle. Just two, a G5 school having two nice little seasons, you know. And next thing you know, a couple years later, they're getting Pac-12 membership. So let's talk a little bit about this upcoming season. What are your expectations and what are you hoping to see as a fan of Utah football? I mean, expectations have never been higher than they have been for this season. Even in years past, when we've gone to the Pac-12 championship, the next season we start in the preseason rankings, not even ranked. I mean, preseason rankings don't really mean anything. All that matters is that final college football playoff ranking. Yeah, this expectations have never been higher, and that kind of means that there's going to have to be a tenor shift in the in the uh, attitude of the team instead of you know playing from behind, kind of being seen as the underdogs with a chip on their shoulder. They're now a team with a target on their back. They have everybody looking at, oh, we're going to have to go through Utah in order to accomplish our goals for this season. I think anytime I think teams like USC right now is getting a ton of hype. It's got a new coach, a bunch of new players, and they're just getting all this buzz generated around what their program is going to be able to accomplish. But I think, and that's a landmark school. That's a, that's a massive school. It's one of the biggest brands in, in college athletics, but you haven't been able to hear the name USC without in the same breath being mentioned, oh yeah, but they're going to have to play Utah this season. And so Utah is really starting to assert itself as a, a national contender. It really is one of the better schools in the nation at football. Just from what I've heard with, uh, from, from Coach Whittingham, from talking with him, 
from talking and just seeing interviews with the players, I think that there is a shift in that mentality and that this team really does have that grit of, oh, we do have a target on our back this year. And they're not running from that, but they're leaning into that being king of the mountain. Yeah, totally. Okay, you just mentioned talking with Coach Whittingham. Tell me about this experience. Yeah, so every year, some members of the Must Board, we get a go and we have pizza with him before the season starts. We kind of just chat about some of his expectations for the season, see how we can help uh, him and the players out. And yeah, it's a really fun time. He's really engaging. He's a great guy to be around. And he really does love the Must. Almost after every game, he's down like yelling by the front rows, giving everybody high fives and just trying to connect with the students as much as they can. And yeah, I mean, Coach Witt has high expectations for the season, I think, as everybody does. And I think that he believes in, from the from his experience, what he's been able to witness, that the U is going to be able to live up to those for sure. Uh, he talked about some of the things they're doing to prepare for the Florida game, for example, because everybody's talking about, oh, you're going back east, so there's going to be a time zone difference, or oh, you're going to have to plan the humidity of the swamp, you're going to have to plan that atmosphere, like how are you going to cope with that coming from the Rockies? And he said what they've been doing is they've been going into the indoor practice facility and they've been turning up the thermostat and they've just been pumping the humidity into the building to try and like mimic as much as possible what the game atmosphere is going to be like. I think they've done that three or four times now and the players are loving it. They're getting to experience what it's going to be like. And I think that they're going to be really used to the atmosphere when they do end up at the swamp. That's awesome, man. That's, that's so cool to hear. So like, did you have like any questions that you've just been dying to ask Wit that you were able to talk to him about? Um, I think some of my questions were like, how are we going to supplement in the secondary? Because that was probably one of our, our biggest problems going into the Rose Bowl last year is that we just had so many injuries. But I mean, and that's why Mackay Bernard had to step in and play and play cornerback when he's been a running back all season. I mean, like playing both ways in the football is something that both sides of the football is something that really only happens in high school. Like it's crazy to see that in college. And he, you know, he took it in stride. He did his absolute best. He was playing some pretty decent defense there on the other side of the ball. And so I was talking, I asked coach about that. And he said, yeah, we're going to have Cole Bishops coming back. We have a bunch of new safeties coming into the season. He says that we're not only going to have some really good safeties this year, but we're going to have some pretty excellent depth. So that's going to help fill a hole or fill a weakness that we had last season. And so that was probably my biggest concern. Also, you know, losing Devin Lloyd, I guess not losing him because when you get drafted in the first round, that's not really a sad thing. But, you know, seven, but Devin Lloyd's not here anymore. Um, and so really that next man up mentality has been huge because there's not like one standalone linebacker like we used to have with Devin Lloyd. It really is going to be a team effort. We have some people transferring in uh, and we have some new uh, true freshmen that are going to like Barton that's going to come in and really start to, to play a role from day one in, in helping the season and, and helping the team and helping establish that kind of like national brand of just excellent linebackers that we've had for the past decade yeah it's pretty awesome it it's so good and it, it's so comforting to know that like we can just reload now we're getting good enough talent i mean you look at mamu diabadi i mean ironically we're playing his old school right now like first week of the season he's transferred from florida but we're we're hearing really good things from scally from morgan scally our defensive coordinator about mamu diabadi about lander barton about all the about kareni reed these linebackers that are having to step in and fill the role of Nephi Sewell and Devin Lloyd, who obviously were such huge contributors to our football team. They they really were what was made. They were the cogs in that defense that really were the that was really able to stop some some pretty good teams. And so it, it's going to be a really interesting way to see how they can adjust because I mean we're just we're playing harder teams now. Like you mentioned, USC is getting more difficult, but 
Um, I guess I want to know which which game are you looking forward to the most out of the season? Um, probably a toss up between this first Florida game, but the atmosphere in Dry Cycle Stadium is something that you know can't be matched. So probably the USC game. It's gonna be excellent. It's gonna be a great time to you know beat the beat the Trojans back to back. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to that one too. Um, I guess before we move into our panel portion, is there anything else that you'd like to say to any MUST members or any students here on campus? Actually, yeah. And so we always have a, t uh, a tailgate before every game, two and a half hours before over at the football facility. Um, but this year, the night before the first game up at Stillwell Field, we're having a big crimson kickoff. We're having a big tailgate, uh, for lack of a, a better term, the night before the football game, kind of in a similar vein to what they do at Texas A&M with the howls that they have the night before the game. There's going to be food trucks there. I think we're going to have five of the other teams are going to be there with their, uh, with members of their teams. They're going to be having booths, different games and activities, almost in like a festival kind of atmosphere. It's going to be really fun. There's going to be, I think the first, I'm not sure how many we're doing, but first people that come are going to get, you know, vouchers to come, uh, uh, eat the eat at the food trucks, get free food. Be lots of games there. We're gonna have some videos playing. We're gonna help just talk about the different traditions we have. We're gonna sing the fight song together. It's gonna be a really fun atmosphere. Sweet man, we're looking forward to, it and we'll see you there. Yeah, it'll be a great time. Joining us today, we have Garrett Pusey, a freshman at the University of Utah studying finance, and is also a member of the rugby team. Garrett has been a lifelong Ute fan and is very excited for this upcoming season. So Garrett, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me. How about yourself, Neil? I'm doing pretty great. Thanks. Appreciate it. So it's a pleasure to have you here. We're we're really excited for this episode. This has been one that I've personally been looking forward to a lot. So uh, Garrett, just to start things off, I guess, give us a little introduction to you and I guess like your your fandom. Let's, let's hear about it. Where did you become a Utah fan? So my whole life, I've just kind of always assumed I'd be going to the U and then it got more refined as I got older. Uh, my mom got her master's degree from the University of Utah. My dad got his undergrad from here. Uh, my parents aren't like diehard Utah fans, but definitely Utah alums. I've kind of always grown up cheering for Utah, and my grandpa's a BYU fan, so that gave me a little bit more of an incentive Ooh. to cheer for Utah. So I've just always loved watching Utah do good, and it's been exciting since joining the Pac-12, see where they've gone. For sure, man. It's been a great time to grow up being a Ute fan. The last 20 years have been a pretty awesome time to be a Ute. So um, let, let's hear about some of your favorite traditions. Like what are some of the traditions that your family and I guess that you might have had with friends that revolved around Utah football? I would say definitely just going to games, like being a part of that environment. I actually really know the fight song until today, but just still the atmosphere <laughs> of a college football stadium, having everyone sing it, the band and all of that. There's definitely something special about college football that I've always enjoyed. I'm also out of my friends, the only Utah fan. They're all BYU fans. So anytime, <laughs> like when they played Colorado 2019 to go to the Pac-12 championship where they lost to Oregon eventually, sadly, I got them all to come to Utah games. So anytime I could get like my friends to cheer for Utah or be a part of Utah was always a fun thing since I always got sick of all the BYU stuff. True, man. It, it's easy to get sick of that. Another thing I want to ask you, man, is, I mean, you've got a lot of experience going to lots of Utah games, watching games with your friends and your family and stuff. What are your absolute favorite Utah football memories? Let's hear a couple of them. So definitely my favorite. I think I was seven years old when they lost to BYU the last time before last year. And so when they finally beat them again, that was definitely um, really exciting. Being here in 2019, like I talked about, because right before kickoff, we found out that Auburn had upset Alabama 
And so we were all super excited because that cleared a path to the playoff at the time. And then being, I got the opportunity to go to the Rose Bowl and that was probably like very top all time Utah memory, just being there in that environment. And so there's nothing like it. Real man, tell, tell us about that environment. What was so special about being at the Rose Bowl? I'd say for us, because we've only been to two other BCS games. So someone like Ohio State or even Alabama Clemson, you could definitely tell all those Ohio State fans took it for granted because last year they had lost or the year before they had lost to Alabama down in Miami. So just for us being there kind of our first time, it was definitely an exciting thing. You could tell it felt like um, we'd finally turned a page as a program and that this was the start of something new, something special. And so everyone there was just super excited to be there and cheer for Utah. Oh yeah, it was a great experience. And it's crazy. It definitely ramped up the expectations for this program. And us as Ute fans, we're not very used to having high expectations. People know that we're a good solid program and really have been the last 20 years, especially under Kyle Whittingham. But having this high of expectations kind of stresses us out because we like being the underdog. So um, it's, it's gonna be very interesting, man. A little context for our listeners, Garrett Pusey played high school football. So Garrett kind of sees the game of football a lot differently than someone like I do who did not play football growing up. Part of this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the strengths and weaknesses of the team going into this season because he sees things that we definitely don't. So Garrett, what, what strengths do you see on this team? And then we'll move on to weaknesses after that. I would say definitely the biggest strength. It's always nice having a starting QB back especially with Cam Rising, how good that he led the team last year. We returned a fair amount of our starters. Losing Devin Lloyd was obviously a big hit, but we had a lot of good role players that I feel like can step up. So anytime that you have guys that have been there and experienced that sort of thing, it's always a good thing because they know what it took to get there. They know what it took to win a Pac-12 title. They know what it took to win, at least to make it to the Rose Bowl. Having those guys back is always a really good thing. I would say my personal thing, I always, in terms of NFL and college, always love seeing like what coordinators are going to become head coaches. And so the fact this offseason was really crazy with Lincoln Riley going to USC, LSU, getting a new coach. So definitely keeping Morgan Scally, he was definitely in that conversation. So the fact that we have our returning defensive coordinator who was an assistant coach of the year is definitely going to be a big strength going into this year with a lot of high-powered offenses that we play. Yeah, totally, man. And I guess a question that just came into my head is like, what impact does it have on a team having leadership coming back? I mean, because I'm sure you've experienced that in your years of rugby and football. Like, how important is it to have those leaders to be able to come back for another year? It's always good because you're kind of starting off where you left off rather than you're starting over. You're kind of building not quite a new culture, but kind of new expectations in that from scratch versus the bar is already set by a lot of those guys that have been there. And so just by having those guys that have been there, even with the Rose Bowl, um, another strength going back of having the backup QB go in for Cam Rising, like we even had um, some number twos play. So we have a lot of depth on this team that knows what it takes and has been there. Yeah, and, and depth so, at quarterback hasn't been something we've had really yeah, ever. No. <laughs> that has definitely been a major weakness for this program over the years. So having that and just like I said, other guys who have been there really can run from the top down and definitely get the team as a whole, not just kind of those returners to buy in to that culture and those expectations. Yeah, totally. Um, well, moving on to some of the weaknesses, what what do you think this team might be struggling with going into the season? 
I think the biggest thing is definitely the unnavigated territory because where we've never been a top 10 preseason team before, which it's always a bit of a learning curve. The only difference between us and USC is USC has done it a lot and we haven't. So just kind of no one really knows what to expect going into this year just because no one in Utah football history has ever really faced it. So navigating that, especially right off the bat with Florida, is going to be kind of a bit of a gray area, just seeing how they handle it, how we meet those expectations and how we handle all the extra media pressure. Um. So one thing I want to move on to right here is like, Lots of people have been talking a lot about our linebackers. We obviously lost Devin Lloyd this last season and Sewell, and both were great linebackers. They really were like the primary cogs in that defensive machine. What impact do you see that having on a defense, and do you think that they're going to be able to have guys step it up this season? So, yeah, that is definitely a really tough angle. The linebacker is kind of like the quarterback of the defense because he's the guy, or the middle linebacker is the guy who has to get everyone in position and they can blitz on certain plays, but they can also drop back into coverage. So you really, if you want anything to be solid, you want to have solid interior linebackers because they're going to be the ones that can cover both the run and the pass. So that's definitely going to be a bit of a rough patch right off the bat, I believe. However, returning Scally, like I talked about, is going to be a good thing. We kept a lot of guys on the defensive line. We also have um, a lot of returners in the secondary. So even though it might take a little bit of time for those guys to adjust to those new roles and kind of the new level that we're at, I feel like there's enough going on, enough returners to be able to help compensate that to make sure that we're still able to be effective on defense. Who do you see being like a, a star on a defensive end of the, of the field this year? I'd say that's a bit of a tough question with just a lot of the returning guys. Like it's hard to pick more than one. Um, but I would say... I'm going to go with more of a unit, if that's okay. I would say we have a very strong history of turning out really good secondaries. Mm -hmm. And so I really think this year is going to be kind of a trial by fire for the secondary because Lincoln Riley moved into the pack. Playing Florida, the SEC has really embraced the air raid over the years. We're going up against a lot of strong air raid teams. And so if that secondary can really step up, then we're definitely going to be looking at putting some guys hopefully beyond the second round in the secondary of the NFL draft in the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. And totally. And guys like Clark Phillips and, and Cole Bishop really have proven that they can't, you know, stick it with anybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, we saw what they did last year in a, in a Rose Bowl. I mean, the, the secondary is pretty depleted, lots of injuries and stuff, but mm -hmm. guys like Clark Phillips, like held their ground against Jackson Smith and Jigba and like guys that, mm -hmm. you know, are very talented, some, some awesome receivers. So hopefully that bodes well for what they'll be able to do this season going into, uh, you know, some tough games especially that USC game. So what what games are you looking forward to the most on the schedule? Um, So I'm going to start with the obvious. Obviously, Florida, big SEC matchup, having a home and home with them. Um, That will definitely be a big start right off the bat, talking about that extra pressure and all of that. Um, Obviously, USC, I was talking to some dudes. I really hope game day comes just because, <laughs> like so they awesome. should, yeah. Um, So as long as USC lives up to the hype, we do our thing. Um, that's going to be an extra good game. Um, another obvious one would be Oregon, just because they replaced, obviously, they had Mario Cristobal leave for Miami. So having Dan Lanning, who was the Georgia defensive coordinator, just won a national title. Um, that'll be interesting seeing kind of a more defensive-minded guy come to the pack. Um, the other game that really, I would say, sticks out to me would be um, UCLA, 
just because they they're always the USC younger brother, but they get a lot of talk with what Chip Kelly's been doing with the program. They kind of remind me of us just a year or two behind of like they're almost right there, like always eight and four, but they can never quite do enough to make the Pac-12 title. And so I'm curious to see if that UCLA team can overcome some of those hurdles and if they're actually a year or two behind us and that could has the potential to be a really good game. So like what what games do you see as some potential, I guess, landmines might be a good description. Some some games that might trip the team up. So definitely, like I said, that media pressure will just knock out Florida and USC right off the bat just because a lot of extra noise, um, a lot of good receivers and all of that. Um, but definitely some ones that always get you are kind of the ones that you don't expect. Um, my high school football coach, I remember, said um, a wounded animal can still be dangerous. So obviously, we haven't heard about Washington State a lot in the past couple of years or Washington. I know they've kind of been in talks about joining the Big Ten um, but right now with where they're at, they wouldn't be the biggest explosion. But that being said, Washington's always been a bit of a trip up for us as well as um, Washington State has been in years past. So I feel like if they sleep on Washington or Washington State and just write them off as another opponent, then it's going to be a long Saturday for us. Totally. I, I'm kind of right along the same line of thinking with you. I, I have like a 1A, 1B for what I think like might be you know, some of those games that might trip us up midseason on our on our way to trying to get to another Pac-12 title. And I'd say that would be at Washington State on the Thursday night. And I'd say at UCLA in the Rose Bowl because those two teams are sneaky dangerous. I mean, UCLA run by Chip Kelly. They got DTR coming back. He's a pretty great quarterback, and we were lucky to not have to play him last year. I don't know. I, I think, I mean, there's always some games like that in Pac-12. You always have to be prepared for that. What do you think? Do you think that they're they're going to be able to handle the adversity and a lot of the outside noise pretty well this year? I think so, yeah, especially where this team got a lot um, last year, not just with their success of winning the Pac-12 and going to the Rose Bowl, but um, with those back-to-back tragedies with Ty Jordan, Aaron Lowe. Um, that's definitely, that's always an internal struggle for a team, not just because of the extra attention, um, but just going through kind of that grief and loss and sorting that all out with yourself personally, with your relationship with those guys and other grief and loss in your life. But also, like I said, just as a team, because they're a part of that unit, they're a part of that family. So with how this team rallied back last year, I really think there's not there's no outside pressure that they can't handle. So really, it just comes down to <clears throat> all the fundamentals of their ability to execute the little things, their ability to take each opponent seriously. So as long as they focus on that, then I'm not too worried about any of the media attention in that. And in your experience, like how important is it to, I guess, act not just as a team, but like as a family? Um, I'd say it's definitely very important because a lot of these guys we have come from out of state. Kyle Winningham is really good at finding even though they don't matter when you get to this level, the three stars from California, Texas, Florida, that the SEC and the Ohio States of the world are going to pass over. So you have a lot of guys coming in from out of state. And this is kind of it. Like this is their only family because they have family that's hundreds, if not thousands of miles away. And so when you move up to Salt Lake City, a place you've never been, a place you probably wouldn't have thought of going when you were in high school, um, you really have to kind of depend on those guys because that's really all that you have up here. And that starts from the top down. I remember Jimmy Johnson, he coached um, the Miami Hurricanes and the Dallas Cowboys both championships. And he talked about as a football coach um, at the college level, 
that more than half the time when guys would come to their office, it wasn't about football things. It was just about sorting out life because a lot of these underclassmen have never been on their own before. And so really they're just trying to figure out how they fit in the world, what they want their adult lives to be like. And so having that in coaches and having that in teammates that are older than you, not that you can just trust to block for you, but also that you can trust to be able um, to go to when you're struggling is definitely important. Mm -hmm. Especially during this time, still reeling from the deaths of uh, the tragic deaths of Ty Jordan and Aaron Lowe. Um, let's shift focus a little bit. You as a finance student might know some pretty good stuff about this, might have some good insight, but we want to talk about is football a good use of university funds? I would say in terms, this can't really be measured in terms of dollars and all that, but in terms of marketing, I would say definitely it can be because it gets, especially if you're a top 25 program, like no one would want to go to Alabama really, except for Alabama kids, unless their football program was good. But because Alabama and even here like Oregon and that have good football programs, it's a really good way of getting brand power and that out and have people associate the university with something else besides just their academics in that. And then also just the opportunity that it provides, even though it can be a select amount of students, it gets them on scholarship, gets them a chance to receive an education. And then that also provides jobs for other people in the university. Like you have starting, you have guys who film practice, like they get scholarships for that. You have the trainers, you have people filling up waters and all of that. So there's definitely a ripple effect in the jobs that college football can provide for not just students and coaches, but or athletes and coaches rather, but for students and other people in the community as well. Yeah, most definitely. I, I totally agree with you on that. And I mean, I'm a little biased being a huge football <laughs> fan, but you know, I think it's okay. we all are in this case. So. <laughs> I know we're like talking to a former football player, huge Ute fan about if he thinks football program is a good investment. <laughs> but, <laughs> So I guess like rolling back a little bit to January 1st being in the Rose Bowl, what effect do you think that's going to have like for the university in general? Because that really isn't something that's going to benefit just the football program. Like, how do you think it could benefit the university? Yeah, definitely. So I'd say for starters, again, that marketing of us being on national TV on New Year's Day and one of the most watched Rose Bowl games ever, um, that's definitely going to be big for the university. And then just going forward, because we've gotten a lot of talk from ESPN, Fox Sports, even Barstool, like everyone's been talking about noticing Utah this offseason, I feel like um, that could be really good in terms of people looking in, not even just for the University of Utah, but Salt Lake City as a whole and kind of the things that you advertise as of being within five hours of five national parks, all the outdoors and skiing, snowboarding, all that. So. I feel like it's not just good for the university in terms of their branding, but for the state of Utah as a whole. Almost definitely bring some, bring a lot more students and, and honestly get a lot more people just attracted to checking Utah out. It's not, it's a pretty good place. Not as bad as some people think, but you know, we'll see where it goes. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about like, honestly, your predictions for the football season, but I think we'll discuss that in our panel portion. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to have the panel introduce themselves really quickly and starting with me and then we'll go around. I'm Neil Packer. I use pronouns he, him, his. I'm a health and kinesiology major right now. And, you know, we're, we're going to have everybody introduce what introduce themselves by giving their regular season record prediction for the youths this fall. 
I'm gonna go with eleven and one in a regular season. I'm Parker. I use he him or he they. Uh, I'm a film and media and arts major, and I think we're going twelve and zero, baby. All right, I'm Garrett. You've heard from me a lot already. Um, I use he him. Like I said I'm a finance major, and I'm gonna go with Neil. I'm gonna say eleven and one. All right, we got some high expectations right here in the room. We've been talking about it so far. Hey, what Neil, do you think? You ben? forgot me. We didn't forget sorry, you. Ben. We're just I'm sorry. You're good. <laughs> no, I was just you're making. A, I was making ben. a side comment. No, you're I'm sorry. fine. You're fine. I'm Ben. I'm a poli sci and peace and conflict studies major. I use he, him, his pronouns. And I think we're going 14 and 0 in the regular season. Let's go. We're going to add games <laughs> yeah, with we're Appalachian Hawaii. State and Snow College. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Epic. I guess. All right. Well, let's, let's hear some explanations because those are some high expectations. We're not just like, you know, we're, we're acting just like the media, the national media right now. What like why? Why do you think that, Parker? Because we got four games that are going to be hard: um, Florida, UCLA, USC, Oregon, and I think that all of them are overhyped, including UCLA. True. Well, yeah, I don't know. We won't have a problem. Well, you know, we're just good this year, and we're going to be it's... good, and it's going to be great. I'm going to counter that UCLA thing just a little bit. I think we can beat them, but like I said, they are dangerous if we just go in. For go, sure. Oh, it's I just... don't think we're. I don't think we can like overlook any of those four teams. No. Yeah, I just yeah. think we will be all of them. Yeah. We definitely have what it takes to beat UCLA though, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, most definitely. Well, it's like they're re- they're returning a lot of talent there. Like they've got some old guys that are back. I think Dorian Thompson Robinson, their like starting quarterback. What? I feel like it's his sixth year or something. Honestly, I was gonna say, is this his fourth or fifth year? Forever. I mean, like he's like always been with that program. And Chip's sure. a real good coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we I mean, saw what we he did at Oregon. So. No, he's he's a good coach. He certainly sucks with the Eagles. Well, yeah, but college is different than the NFL, like so in terms sure. of schemes and format. Sure. Like I mean, different. just look at Urban, Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer was like yeah. the worst coach ever in the NFL. So. Yeah. Yes. Granted, he inherited the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, that's a but that's still. a bad team. But you can, you could like change things there. You could. He could have. But you the could. problem is we've we've seen the last couple of years, like with some of the stuff that's come out about how he treated players and stuff. Like yeah. there's some toxic pieces of his culture. Yeah. Like it, it just feels like he really didn't establish a good culture down there. And like that could have been a difference. I'm yeah. concerned if anything's gonna come out about his time at Utah. He wasn't here long enough. <laughs> True. It was like two years and he won two New Year's six polls or something. Only one. one. Only, Only one, one, whatever. Yeah. Well, only one to one. He's one for one. Yes, we've only been to three. We're two for two for one. We're pretty pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty. We're good. actually the best. I believe we're the best bowl percentage team. Kyle right? Whittingham is a fantastic. Like yeah. of all time, right? Yeah, like oh, yeah. of any team that's gone to more than ten bowl games. Yes. Yeah, I, their, I think that's, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. which I is mean, insane. It is like it's impressive. Yeah. I mean, because a lot we've seen the last couple of years, like how many teams have multiple guys who are getting ready for the draft to say, I'm not going to play in a bowl game, which makes no sense. Like mm-hmm. you're going to the Rose bowl or you're going to the peach bowl or the sugar yeah. bowl. Why are you not playing? Because yeah. like, that's the biggest game of your season. And you just said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to try to get a bag in the NFL, Yep. which you're already going to get. I mean, I guess there's risk of like injury and stuff, but yeah, it just, it speaks to our culture though, uh, that we had every player eligible play last year. Mm-hmm. And that's just something that Wits really built up over the last 18 years. He's a real good coach, and he's going to continue being a real good coach this year. 
we because we have still a relatively young team, not as young as last year, but still pretty young. And just compare all of our guys at the beginning of last season, even ignoring the quarterback situation. <laughs> Here's and a hypothetical. The change is so radical. What if they call Wit to be a Mormon apostle right before the season starts? <laughs> I'm not even going to justify that question with an answer. No? <laughs> no. Um, so Florida, it's down in the swamp. <laughs> uh, how do we feel about Florida? They're talented, man. That's the problem is that like they've they've got a lot of talent that they're definitely I think even if they don't have like the crap put together, like they've got guys that could still, you know, give us a run for our money. Like even even though we've got a really talented offense, yeah. mm. we're very physical both on the offensive and defensive lines. And obviously our de- I mean our defense is as, intal- as talented as it's ever been. But like that's the problem is that I don't really know what to expect with them. They, Dan Mullen's on the hot seat though. See, like my, Dan Mullen was yeah, fired. Was fired. He's off the hot camp, seat. Right? Yeah, Billy <laughs> Napier's the new head coach. Run by a loud Benyon, like the Benyon from the Benyon Center here, and he'd say the only thing more dangerous than a bear is a wounded bear. True. And Dan Mullen, if he doesn't have a great year this year, like the Florida Boosters will have him out of there. The Florida Boosters have him out of he's there. Gone. Yeah. He's gone. He's gone. Well, they could make no. the playoff this year. No, Billy, Na- no. Billy, Billy Napier's the new head coach. Wait, is he gone? He's not here yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, no, he's currently. Gone. Long gone. History. So, really? Their new head coach is Billy Napier. Oh, really? Yeah. My bad. Yeah. 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 So that's where it's like really hard to expect because like if it was Mullen that was still there, we could probably be like, oh, yeah, what was – we could look at last season stuff and be like, okay, like maybe we can understand okay. like a little bit what they're trying to do. But like having Napier in, it just, yeah. it, they're, is, they're a mystery box. So you have no idea. Which is also what's so scary about USC and Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Know like, well, I think. And Washington State and Washington. Yeah. Like, what if they come out here with like a wishbone offense or something? So just my whole two cents on the whole Billy Napier thing. I would say this team is definitely hungry because back in 2020, you can say COVID season, whatever. I don't mm-hmm. buy into like if we went to the Rose Bowl that year, we wouldn't be saying COVID season. So true. I don't want to hear that with COVID <laughs> season, whatever. But 2020, where you look at Florida made the SEC title and lost to Bama, and then last year was just a complete downhill with Billy, or not Billy Napier, Dan Mullen. Um, I feel like a lot of guys on this Florida team, like those guys, the underclassmen who went to the SEC title game and then lost it, um, they're now more than likely juniors or seniors. Mm -hmm. They definitely want to prove themselves. And then Billy Napier, he won four straight Sunbelt conferences, um, worked the air aid really well, which is why Florida brought him in, mm. especially for his Southern ties. So he wants to prove himself. So this is definitely a Florida team that kind of like us feels like they have a lot to prove. The only yeah. difference is um, we're not slept on than they are. True. And everyone wants to beat us this year. Like, it's not usually us. It's kind of it's kind of a strange feeling. Yeah, it's the first time having an X on our head, you know? Yeah. The trash talk is definitely real, too. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Social media, like just reading <laughs> Um, Florida comments of yeah it's crazy like we just got a 50,000 again where like down in the south it's like god family football like mm-hmm. down there they don't mess around with it so they just feel that they're completely superior and that bluetooth speakers and no ac are only going to do so much so <laughs> they definitely feel like we're kind of these wannabes and they're the real legit thing that sits yeah. atop that goes head to head with Georgia, competes for an SEC title. So mm. they definitely want to prove themselves and get back to the Tebow Meyer days. 
Yeah, they definitely have a self-righteous attitude towards all this because, like, SEC fans think there's nobody like them. Mm-hmm. But, like, I would argue that really, like, Utah fans and, heck, let's even say BYU fans could claim that really we're as passionate about football as a lot of these, these we SEC do schools. Well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, from last year. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. And, like, I mean, you look at, like, our average stadium capacity it's like 106 percent 106 percent it's insane the West Coast, we say you get Utah fans of course throughout yes. the region i mean look at that pac title game yeah. yeah and like how many of those fans like actually live in california and stuff like that like mm-hmm. we're not just like straight out of utah oh a lot of them live in cali i imagine no like, any anyone who was driving through the gorge down south of st george to get to that championship game knows how many were from utah it's, it's the truth. Up. It was insane. It's, it's like a four-hour drive. Right? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not that far. But, like, the Rose Bowl, that's, I mean. That was a fun caravan. Like, that was, that was the yeah, best was, road trip ever. It was so good. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, we left, like, in the morning of New Year's Eve, uh-huh. I think. And it was, like, snowing, like, yeah, crazy on the way down. Bad. Like, we sat in probably an extra hour and a half of traffic because of the snowstorm. I started late, and I stopped in Vegas. What was the Musk guy saying after the championship game? They went to the Bellagio and got duck? Yeah, I think he said. <laughs> That's what he said. I think he was saying that off the record, so I'm glad we got that in. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was also saying he got to talk to Wit. I think this was off the record also. This is, it was on social media, though. Yeah, uh, but it was it was just some like interesting yeah, stuff. Like, for sure. No, I think that was on the record. Was it? Yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah. I guess you'll see when you uh, listen to the podcast. <laughs> Comments your uh, answers. Okay, so it's like it's interesting stuff. Like, obviously, any head coach is gonna like talk up his team. Like, what head coach is gonna be like? I I think we go like. I think we get four wins this year, probably. Like maybe like five. Bronco I don't know. It's awesome. My name is. That's true. <laughs> He'd be like, you know what? We're gonna get four wins, but I'm raising righteous young men, so that's all that matters. The Arizona Wildcats. <laughs> we're going for two wins this year. <laughs> Dude, no, no, we do yeah, at home. We play every South team every year. Okay, yeah. that's right. We got them at home this year, which is why we happen to get to play USC and UCLA and Oregon. Just happenstance, Oregon, but. I yeah. feel like that should be a regular. Like the Pac-12 should want that for media and all that. Like, I, yeah, like the biggest teams playing the biggest teams. Yeah, exactly. Like we should play Oregon every year and Washington, Stanford if yeah. they're good because of the brand power and the competitiveness. There's, kind there's of talk about like how the Big Ten is going to do it once uh, USC, UCLA, and maybe more join because like that's way too many teams for like a division, and it's like two, maybe two protected rivals and seven and seven play seven one year, seven the other year. Um, or whatever, whatever the numbers add up to. And I feel like the pack could really do something like that if we stick mm-hmm. together. Yeah. Um, and obviously our rival would be probably It's Colorado. always Colorado because of geography. <laughs> the forced it's, rivalry. Yeah, forced rivalry. That means nothing. But yeah. <laughs> Well, I but, think like if you have teams like Oregon staying around, like we're kind honestly, of building something with them because we keep oh, spoiling yeah. each other's seasons. <laughs> yeah, I guess... I guess I guess if there's only 10 teams in the pack, we could literally play every team in the pack every year. True, nine-game nine, nine game conference, yeah. late, which we already do. Yeah. yeah. It'd be interesting. Or you steal from the Big Ten and keep USC and UCLA. <laughs> <laughs> we keep them. Yeah, keep we... USC, keep UCLA. 
And then you say, we you poach know Ohio, the Ohio take State. Take the Ohio State. <laughs> they'll they'll leave uh, Michigan and say, can we, can we check the Vegas you, odds on that? <laughs> Remind me how much money they'd be leaving on the table. Yeah. <laughs> what what was the new bill like deal rumored to be? Was it? it was oh, insane. it's approaching. It was a, it was a couple billion dollars, wasn't it? In Texas, I think it's like two point six billion or something like that, off the top of my head. Yeah, it was insane. for meteorites. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I just I just looked it up right here. It's projected to be more than seven billion dollars. Yeah, for yeah. the entire conference that yeah. gets divided among everybody. Yeah, but still, but there's a lot. There's it's, clauses that if they add more schools, like the schools they're looking at, are like now, like Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Cal. Notre I mean, Dame. we would like to say us, Notre Dame, like you know that there's clauses that would give them more mm. money. It it's it's the escalator clause the way I've understood it is that it specifically says what will happen if Notre Dame joins. I believe ESPN joins the deal if Notre Dame joins. If anyone else joins, uh, ESPN or anyone else could join, but it is specific if Notre Dame joins, which is hilarious, honestly, that they would be like yeah, writing out a legal document and like, if these guys decide... This happens. This, this brand that has nothing to do with this deal. It's like a choose your own adventure book. Yeah. <laughs> There's like, we got to have this just in case because that's kind of like our, you know, like our, our image, you know? Yeah. Here's the thing. I think we fit so culturally well in the Big Ten. Just the way we play football, the way we act. And just, I mean, just watch the Rose Bowl last year. Like, we fit with Big Ten football. I hope the pack stays together. I just don't know if it will at this point. Yeah. It really depends on what happens in the Northwest. Yep. Just unfortunate. I wish it was in our hands, but maybe getting to the playoffs will help that. Well, who could sneak and surprise us, though, are the Arizona schools. It's true. Because, honestly, what if they leave before Oregon? Like, what if Oregon and Big Big Ten isn't even a thing and Arizona schools just head off to the Big 12? Yeah. That's fair. I think... We would probably have to follow at that point if anyone leaves. Maybe a nine-team conference. If unless we can, Utah's going to the Big Twelve. Yeah, unless we're able to poach someone from the twelve, like Pac it's Nine doesn't work. More likely that Utah goes to the Big Twelve than you poach someone from the Big Twelve. It's to the Pac Twelve. Uh, that's I, I don't know. I thought at first. I don't know. But like, that's I don't know what I thought at first. But we have a really good situation with our media rights deal right now, theoretically. Theoretically, there's a lot we don't know though. Yes. True, but I think one of the best things that we were able to do, like, was containing all of our rights. Because, like, yeah, having the Pac-12 network be a thing was kind of like, it was kind of a struggle because nobody could watch the games. Pac-12 network was only on like a handful of, of you know, like cable networks. And it meant USC and UCLA made a lot less money than they could have. It's true, but like we we own everything. We can give a package off. Mm-hmm like in its entirety to whoever wants to like stream or air our games. I mean, cause that's some streaming is definitely a thing too. Or we could have multiple suitors like what the big Ten's having, mm-hmm. but like that, that's, that's kind of nice is that like we have absolute control over everything right now. Mm-hmm. So I think it could bode well for us. Yeah. Good. And, and the fact that we're getting to it a year before the big 12 is really good for us. And frankly, the, Everyone in the Big 12 knows that they aren't wanted specifically for the Big 10 or the SEC right now. Maybe in a few years down the line when 
they go even bigger. But they know because they were passed up last year by everyone that they are not wanted by them. There's no way they are not restless right now. Of course they are. We're restless too, but if we could pick up a Baylor or Oklahoma State, um, any not any team, but a lot of teams in the Big 12 would be a big boon. Not not as big to loot as what we lost, but... You could get some cash from it, though. Some cash and, Even we could, BYU, and some you stability. Get cash from. You yeah. It. It's not as big as Baylor or Oklahoma State. But... BYU is a bad choice, not because I dislike BYU, which I do, <laughs> <laughs> um, but because it doubles cash. down on... The Utah market, which is fine, but they're just a package deal with someone. They're just joining, so like I don't know. It seems weird. It would have to be a package deal with someone else from the Big Twelve. Like you'd get like a BYU and Baylor. But who's going to? That's not going to happen. Yes, who's going to stick up for BYU? But we don't know that we even are going to get a Baylor or Oklahoma. No, I don't, and I don't. I don't know if we will. I think we'll either stay to ten or dissolve. Yeah, those are the two options. I just don't know. Who knows? All right. We have anything else we want to discuss? Well, San Diego State's like not the worst option in the world. And you get San Diego. Yeah. No. San Diego, UNLV isn't a great program, but just because of the Vegas market, like those are our best two options, which they're not great, but that's kind of what we're looking at right now. Or just. Especially if you get an MLB team in the Vegas market. Certainly. I mean, Pac-12's already got like everything. Men's and women's. Basketball tournaments happen in Vegas. The football yeah. championship mm-hmm. game is in Vegas. Which is why I don't know if we need a Vegas market because it's not like UNLV is the no. biggest school. It's true. The biggest reason I threw out UNLV is because LA is kind of where the broadcast headquarters is. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. so because we need a big city to compensate because we're going to have to shell yeah, out a ton of fees. Yeah, so yeah. really just, Vegas. yeah, so that UNLV is just for that. Right that makes sense. Right. I can see that. All right, yeah. dang. So. What's your gutsiest pick? Just to wrap things up, what what is your gutsiest pick for what the Utes will do this season, postseason included? Um, I'm gonna say, uh, <laughs> we go undefeated. Clemson goes undefeated. Alabama drops a game. They go to fourth in the playoffs so the playoff games are ohio state at one versus alabama at four and then us in versus clemson at two and three and we go to the finals that's the gutsiest one it's not going to happen that's like how many things i had to making the playoff this year sorry i don't know they're the best if i want to pick another team to go undefeated that's the best for this but the ac for this there's a path in the acc for this dumb scenario that i have that it has to be that okay okay fair that's fine. All right. So I would say mine, I'm going to throw in Oregon, but it's mainly more USC that we derail the Lincoln Riley and I'll throw in Dan Dan landing train. <laughs> just because with new coaches, it's always tough with establishing a new culture in that just because you're bringing in, you bring Every in some person. assistants, but you can't take all of them. Um, mm-hmm. So with Oregon, just Dan landing, he's never been a head coach. So we'll just make it rough by beating Oregon and throwing them off. But really, it's more USC because they've gotten all of this preseason hype. Um, Lincoln Riley basically getting a nine-figure deal with his buyout at Oklahoma. And then 
also his USC deal, like they bought him his house or gave him money for his $24 million mansion in LA. He gets, say he gets access to a private jet 24 seven. So they're definitely, I'd say in terms of one thing I really liked, um, USC is essentially saying that Lincoln Riley is on the level of Pete Carroll when he was at USC, Bob Stoops, when he originally arrived at Oklahoma and Nick Saban of it takes them one season to turn around and then they're national title contenders. So in USC's mind, essentially this is kind of a trial run. And then next year USC is going to be a top five competing for a national title against Bama, Ohio state, potentially Clemson. I can see that. And so, I'll yeah, though. yeah. No. I would say the biggest thing, if we can especially surprise them here and throw them off, then I could see us throwing back the Lincoln Riley too another three years and making not making him the Pete Carroll, Nick Saban, Bob Stoops that USC thinks he's going to be. Mm-hmm. Certainly. For sure. Yeah. Oh. Gutsiest take. I think we're going to see Utah in the title game against Washington State. The Pac-12, Pac-12 title 12 game or, or the national, national championship? The okay, okay. <laughs> national title game. That's not realistic. That'll never happen. Okay, like never. That's not That'd possible. Let's say I thought Wazoo was sick. asleep, no, but not no, that much. Same. I'm talking, <laughs> yes, I'm talking about Washington State versus Utah. I think Washington fun. State's gonna surprise a lot of people this year. You know, they fired that head coach last year. What's his name? He's from. Uh, he was from Hawaii. Uh, He's the one that wouldn't get uh, vaccinated. Yeah. Nick. Um, Rolovich. Nick Rolovich. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and they, you know, they got better like each game after having that new head coach. So it would it'll be, be interesting to see. I remember thinking, remember after we beat Oregon last year, we were like, there's a theoretical scenario where we could play at Washington State in the yeah, championship. It, it, and it, it was so realistic. It, yeah. It wasn't super realistic, but it would have been really fun. It was a it was chance, possible. though. But yeah. It was great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Still, it would be funny this year, too. That's what's fun about the Pac 12. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah. I guess, right. I guess my gutsiest pick. Um, you know, I think we go into the swamp and so show Florida who's boss. Like, I think we show them that, you know, we're just as physical or even more physical than some of the SEC teams are going to face. And I think we start off the the Billy Napier era with the loss to the Utes. Um, I also think, gutsy. huh? That's not very gutsy. No, it's not. But dude, it's just, I'm just starting thing. right here. Okay, okay. Okay, I think honestly, I think this team's got the talent to go 12 and 0. I think they can beat USC at least once beat Oregon, you know, take care of business against those, those rough roadblocks against like UCLA and Wazoo's. But like, I think honestly, I think Utah's going to play Oregon a second time in the PAC 12 championship and take care of business again. It's I third think, time. huh? Third time. True. Third yeah. Tree. But like second, second time, time this season, taking care of business this season, but yeah. fourth time in the last year. But yeah, I, I think Utah wins PAC 12 championship. I think they go to the playoffs um probably ranked let's let's go with rooting for three because i with third rooting for three i mean it doesn't matter alabama and ohio state are going to be one and two and they're both going to be crazy this year i think ohio state number one bama number two utah number three and michigan number four that's my okay. Ooh, that's, that's my selection the michigan one is michigan at four that's yeah. interesting yeah. interesting yeah that, two that's big ten schools and two instead of two SEC schools. That's I, got some- I think Clemson's got a shot to make it too, though. That would right. be like my my other sleeper pick for the playoffs. Very yeah, possible. the ACC's there, unless NC State wants it. True. Yep. Sounds good. Definitely. 
Should we wrap it up for the day? Yeah, let's wrap it up. Yeah, thanks for listening. All right, thank you for thanks listening. Thanks for hanging out. You can see us next week on Long Story Short. Okay, make sure you watch the Utes this fall. Go Utes. That's been a long story made short. Thank you for listening. Long Story Short is an affiliate of Our Stories, UteCast, and University of Utah Student Media. Please make sure to visit our social media accounts at our.stories, with a one, on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and soon-to-be TikTok.